0: Hi, Carol. Good to see you. I want to read from Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10 this morning. Um, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work at those, in those who are disobedient. All of us, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. This morning we are celebrating communion and I just thought that was a great passage just to remind us of the grace of our Lord Jesus. um, The mercy he poured out upon us in order to welcome us into his family, uh, to call us his people, uh, to give us that hope and that eternity uh, of just being with him. Um, It's such a wonderful thing and just a reminder if you're watching at home that we will celebrate that uh, later on in our service. Uh, But I want to welcome you uh, here this morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad you can be here. If you are new here, if it's like your first time or maybe you haven't done so, uh, we would ask. There's a little QR code on the back of your bulletin. Uh, You can just scan that with your phone. It'll take you to a page on our website where you can introduce yourselves. Uh, We'd love to have you do that so we can just connect with you, uh, get to know you a little bit more as well. And you can read through this bulletin. Uh, on your own time. It's a wealth of information. Uh, you know, don't give this away on the street because this is very valuable. People, you know, just keep it for yourself. A uh, couple of things, though, from the bulletin I just want to highlight uh, just before we sort of go uh, into our, the next part of our service. Uh, next week, uh, we have not one, not three, but two time changes for you to know about um, so the first is well we spring ahead, so you lose the hour. So everything starts an hour earlier than normal. We all kind of know about that. Uh but along with that, we're also changing the time of our morning service uh from ten uh, to ten thirty. So you lose an hour, but you kind of gain half an hour. So it's like a it's like a tie, I guess, is like it's 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 kind of there. Uh but just know that next week time change of the service is gonna be ten thirty moving forward. And we actually made that time change just because we're beginning what we call our Next Steps program, Uh, and this is going to be—it's going to be here at the church starting at 9 a.m. It's a—it's a focus on discipleship and discussion around the idea of what is spiritual growth, Uh, and we just want to sort of nurture this idea of community and this idea that we want to grow together. And we're discussing what it means to grow as Christians, you know, as we walk this journey with Jesus. Uh, So if you're interested in attending that, uh, you can contact the church office or you can contact Pastor Mark as well, as he'll be leading that. So that's next week here at church, 9 a.m. We'd love to have you join us for that. Uh, We also want to just be mindful of the world situation. Uh, As Lisa mentioned a little bit, uh, the war in Ukraine. Uh, Many people are wondering what they can do. It's very difficult being so far away, but one thing we can do is give. And there are many great agencies out there uh, that you can give to. I think the Red Cross, the government is like matching donations as well. Uh, But we just want you to be aware that uh, our denomination, the North American Baptists, have also set up like a Ukrainian crisis fund. Uh, We actually, as as a denomination, we have a lot of roots and partnerships in that area of the world, in Romania and in Ukraine. Uh, So if you'd like to give to that fund. Uh, through the neb, uh, we would just encourage you to do so as well. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a little bit, but it's something that we can do uh, just to just to help out uh, in this kind of crazy world we live in. Uh, also, uh, sadly, I have some condolences to announce as well uh, this morning. Um, the first is for the Linton family. Uh, Michelle's dad passed away. For those who know that family, um, so be in prayer for them. And also for the Strawn family, uh, Benita's father also passed away. Uh, this past week. So let's keep uh, both of those families in prayer. And let's just go before the Lord uh, at this time in prayer. Father God, uh, we just come today uh, before you um, with joyous hearts because COVID is over. Well, I think it's over. But Lord, it's so wonderful to be able to just you know celebrate and shake hands again and go out without masks. And, and just kind of that taste of normal life has been so refreshing, and we're so thankful for that. And I pray as a church uh, that, Lord, you would give us uh, wisdom as leaders to know how we can just see the needs around us that have rised out of this, and, and Lord, meet those needs, and just reconnect with people in very powerful ways, that this would be an opportunity for us as believers just to re-engage in a different way with the world around us. Um, yeah, but Lord, it's also kind of, as we, even as we celebrate that, there's also very so many hardships, and Lord, we think of Ukraine. And Lord, we just, we, we pray for peace uh, in that area of the world. We pray for the leadership of, of the world, and especially of Ukraine and, and, and Russia, that Lord, uh, you would change hearts, change minds, uh, do a work there that the fighting uh, might come to an end. And Lord, we we know that you are sovereign in all these things. So, But Lord, yeah, we, take, we just take great comfort in the fact that knowing you are still in control, even when it looks like things are so spinning out of control. But Lord, we just ask that, that you would be with them, be with the, the NEB uh, ministries that are out there. I think of Falcon Rock and, and the Romaine and the Odessa Seminary. Like, Lord, we just pray that, that, Lord, you would use those Christians on the ground in those places to, to, to meet the needs of those refugees and those who are fleeing this terror, uh, that they might show the love of Christ to the people around them, even in a world of war. And Lord, we pray for uh, the, the Strawn family and for the Linton family, Lord, as they, as they grieve uh, the loss of their fathers. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would just lift them up. Uh, you would come alongside, remind them of the hope that they have in Christ Jesus, but also be a source of comfort and encouragement and strength for them as they walk this, this path of grieving uh, that is now before them. Um, so Lord, we just yeah, ask that you would just lift them up in a very powerful way. And Lord, we pray for the offering we're going to receive this morning. We're not passing the plate anymore, but Lord, uh, we just thank you that you have so faithfully supported this church through the the offerings of the people, uh, even through these last two years of COVID. Lord, uh, we are so grateful uh, for what we received uh, from the hands of the people, for the generosity of this church. And Lord, we just want to thank you for providing for the needs of this church in such a powerful way. And Lord, we pray for the kids who are about to be dismissed, that Lord, you would be with them in their time, that Lord... Uh, that they would, in in their time, in in their own way, uh, that they would just get closer to Jesus and understand him more uh, through the lessons that are being taught. We pray a blessing on them as they go. And Lord, we pray for a blessing for us. Uh, Lord, as Mark's going to come forward and lead us in the word, we pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds and our ears to what he would have us say. And Lord, we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning to those of you here and those of you online. Thank you for joining us today. I'm always blessed by the opportunity that Pastor Mark gives me to share the Word of God with you. And this morning I would invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to that Old Testament passage of Exodus in chapter 15. I'm uh, taking a little break from his uh, 1st John series and I just feel like God has laid this on my heart the last few weeks after Pastor Mark asked me if I would... Uh, take this uh, Sunday, uh, the Lord began to lay this uh, passage and this, uh, this topic on my heart that I just feel that uh, maybe it would be good for us uh, during the season in which we find ourselves in to hear from God. And so take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 15. And uh, let me read for you a couple of verses as we, as we begin. <clears throat> then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, and therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I've had situations in life, and I'm sure you have as well, where I've wanted one thing and I've gotten another thing. I I got something that I didn't want or asked for or thought that I needed. I've had situations in life where I've wanted something and, and, and I've gotten what I wanted, and then after I got what I wanted, I wondered why I wanted what I got and didn't want what I got after I got it. Can I hear an amen? Anybody else? Amen. Maybe you didn't understand what I just said, and I couldn't repeat it to you, so I don't ask me to do that. <laughs> Isn't that the way it is in life? Sometimes we just we just get what we we didn't want. <clears throat> we call it the bitter waters. Sometimes we get bitter waters in life. Life doesn't always hand us a bed of roses. But when we do get roses, remember there are thorns on the the rose stem. The old Chinese proverb says a thorn defends the rose, harming only those who would steal its blossom. Hmm. Sometimes when we're headed down the road of life, we run into roadblocks that try to hinder us, and we run into hurdles that we must jump and people who discourage us and the devil who accuses us and sin that tempts us and waters that try to drown us and heat that burns us and experiences that threaten us and accidents that we need to learn from. And when we do encounter these life's battles, you know what I think they show us? I think they demonstrate to us what our relationship with the Lord is like during those times. And today I want to talk to you about how to handle life's bitter waters. We, we've been living in a time when a lot of people have been encountering a lot of bitter waters. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, the almost unending COVID has caused a lot of people, a lot of stress, so much so that we're told that people are actually headed towards a depression and some people have already gone there. We've had a rise in the suicide rate. We've faced death uh, of loved ones. Uh, In recent days, we've experienced divisiveness between um, our citizens and governments and protesting. And some people have lost their jobs because of covid Others have lost loved ones because of COVID. Uh, We see war happening in the Ukraine with Russia, and it makes us wonder what the future of our world will be. And there are probably a lot of other bitter waters in people's lives who are listening here today that none of us know anything about. But it's real. You're experiencing it. And so today... Allow me to talk to you a little bit about how to handle life's bitter waters. And I want to use this story from the life in Israel's journey that God has left for us as an illustration of how to handle life's bitter waters. You know, there's a passage over in Romans in chapter 15 and verse 4 that tells us For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And you know, I've talked with people who they say, well, I don't read the Old Testament. I just read the New Testament. I'm a New Testament kind of a person. You know, the Old Testament just has all those old stories and stuff. And stuff that kind of disturbs me and lots of, you know, wars and fightings and you know all and I don't read that I just read the New Testament. Well, I want to tell you that the great apostle Paul himself said to us that the Old Testament was written for our instruction to encourage us as illustrations of how God works in our lives and as a way to lead us to the cross where Jesus can be found. And you find The cross throughout the Old Testament. You find Jesus throughout the Old Testament. We need to read the Old Testament because it helps us to find hope. And so here we are in Exodus in chapter 15. And let me just remind you of the context of the passage. The children of Israel had been living in Egypt for 400 years. And for a time, they had kind of a prosperous time when the leadership was in their favor. God's people were were prospering. But But then the leader died. Joseph died. God's man, he died. A new pharaoh takes over who didn't know anything about Joseph. The children of Israel were growing and prospering. And so the new Pharaoh makes the children of Israel slaves, slaves in his his kingdom. And he forces them to labor for him, making bricks and mortar and and building his, his empire, if you will. And eventually they cry out to God for help because they are overwhelmed with the work, the labor. They're overwhelmed with their slavery... ...and they cry out to God for deliverance... ...and God hears their cry. And he sends a man to help them... ...and his name was Moses... ...who he himself had been 40 years in the wilderness, remember? Herding sheep. God was preparing him for this day... ...that he would send him and lead the children of Israel. God had a plan and a purpose for Moses who grew up under, under Pharaoh's um, rules and laws and education. So he was very aware of what was happening in, in Egypt. He knew, about, he knew the language. He, he knew all, all about the Egyptian culture. He was the right man for the right time, and God had been pre- preparing him for that. And after some deep negotiations with the Pharaoh of the day, Moses spoke to him and you read about the plagues that happened and finally God convinces Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go and they escape their slavery. They make their way down to the Red Sea, which was not the best route for them to take. It would have been shorter for them just to head north, but God had another lesson to teach to the Israelite people. You see, they had been living for 400 years and really didn't know a whole lot about God and his laws anymore. Generations had come. And so now God has to teach them how to follow him. And he has some lessons he needed to show himself to them in a very real way. And so they're at the Red Sea where three miracles take place. Now Pharaoh is back in his land and he comes to his senses and he realizes that he is in deep, deep trouble. Because now his labor force has all left. He didn't know what he was going to do. He goes, oh man, I made a mistake. He gathers the army of Egypt and he said, go pursue them and bring them back. With the Egyptian army hot on their trail... Israel is faced with the Red Sea in front of them, not knowing where to go, and God performs his first miracle. He parts the sea. Miracle number two was that now the, the sea bed, which normally would be wet and murky and muddy and hard to get through, it becomes dry, miracle number two. They go through the Red Sea, get to the other side, The Egyptian army catches up. They pursue Israel through the Red Sea. How wise was that? Probably not very wise. (laughs) But they pursue them through the Red Sea. Miracle number three. God closes the waters, drowns the entire army. They're safe on the other side. Miriam sings her song. And now they have a second challenge to encounter. They're on the other side. They're rejoicing. They're singing. And now they travel three days through the wilderness. And, they, and they're challenged once again. And you know, that, that's what so often happens in our lives, isn't it? After a great victory, after we've encountered a great challenge, after we have seen God's hand move, isn't it true that so often after we've experienced a great victory, it seems like there, there's, there's a great challenge that, that happens. There's, there's another obstacle that is thrown in our way. Remember Elijah and he's up on Mount Carmel and he has this great victory over the the priests of Baal and he kills all the the priests of Baal and the evil Jezebel sends him a message and says, today uh, you're going to be just like the priests of Baal. I'm going to take your life. And and Elijah, he runs for his life and 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 he becomes depressed and he lays down under a tree and he says, God, just take me. Just take me. After a great victory comes a great challenge. Right after Peter made his great proclamation to Jesus that you are the Son of God, you, you are the Son of the living God, and Jesus begins to tell him about his imminent death. And Peter says, God forbid it, Lord, that this shall never happen to you. And, and you remember how, what Jesus said? He said, Get behind me, Satan. You see, Satan was trying to use Peter as a stumbling stone for Christ going to the cross. And it was after the great victory of Jericho where the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River and God caused them to march around the city and shout and blow their horns That God caused the walls of the city of Jericho to fall before them. And there was a great victory there. Their next next obstacle was Ai. They said, this is not going to be any problem at all. So they march into Ai and they're defeated soundly. Why? Because the devil incited one man to disobey the commands of the Lord. After a great victory, there's often a great challenge. What about Jesus? He was baptized. The Spirit of God descends upon him. He's led out into the wilderness where, what happens? The devil comes to try to tempt him and try to defeat him. After a great victory often comes a great challenge, a great obstacle to tempt us to sin against God. Exodus chapter 15 verse 22 says... Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. Do you know the root word for Shur means a wall? They escaped from the slavery of Egypt. They go out into the desert. And it's like they hit a wall. Have you ever hit a wall? Symbolically speaking. Some people have hit a wall in their life today. They're trying to move forward, and they hit a wall. They thought they were listening to the plans of God, and they hit a wall. They moved to another job. They thought they were listening to the Lord. They moved to another location. They made a decision, and they hit a wall. But we need to remember that when we hit that wall, that God always has a plan. Not only did his Israel hit a wall, but they searched for three days and they found no water. Verse 22 says, they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, depending upon your physical health, I'm told that you could go anywhere from two days to a week without water. And, that, and that's kind of it. Your, your body starts to shut down. And so here they are, three days in the wilderness, wandering around, trying to find water. They found no water. The people start complaining and grumbling. They're starting to get desperate. They're thirsty. They're, 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 their bodies are starting to be affected. You see, they left, they left Egypt in a hurry. And maybe some of them didn't have time to fill their canteens. And, and they drank too much water in the beginning. And, and they ran out of water and and so here they are without water verse 23 goes on to say when they came to Mara they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter and therefore they named it Mara and so they went into the wilderness and they hit a wall and for three days they couldn't find water when they do, they can't drink it because why? It's bitter. There, there are people today who have come to bitter waters in their lives. It's a person who they can't get along with. It's a job they thought was going to be a dream job and it turned out to be a job from hell. <laughs> they they were looking for something in one direction and, and they got something else. And they're mad and sad and disappointed and Upset because they wanted one thing and they got something else. Israel wanted freedom from Egypt because they thought it would make them happier. But they got a desert full of snakes and scorpions and obstacles and drought. And there are some people who have come along bitter waters. And they shouldn't be drinking it, but they are. And not only are they drinking it, but they've filled their canteens up with it and they put it on their belt and they keep taking a sip from it every once in a while. Thinking about somebody who hurt them. Why they got fired. Why they didn't get a promotion. Why somebody else married the person they wanted to marry. Why somebody else got to buy a bigger house and they're still stuck in their little apartment. Why the neighbor has a better lawn than they have. Why somebody else bought a new car and they're still driving around in their clunker. Why their family doesn't seem to be as happy as other families. You get the picture. You see, life has a way of handing us bitter waters. It's part of life. You don't have to go looking for it. Amazon won't sell it to you. You don't have to go online to find it. But it's going to make its way into your home. And some people let bitterness move in and have its way in in their lives. And they make a bed for them. Let it sit in their easy boy. and, And they give them a refrigerator to eat out of. And it's a dangerous thing to let bitterness move in. But I want you to know that God never allows bitter waters to come without a reason. So what do we do with bitterness? Well, Israel came to the bitter waters. They were undrinkable, <clears throat> probably because of the alkaline content in the water. And so, look what they did. They named the place Mara. You know what Mara means? It means get this, the fountains of Moses. <laughs> do, do you get the significance of that? You see, they they had been following Moses and, and submitting to his leadership and submitting to his authority, but, but now the direction that he led them in brought them to bitter waters, brought them to some problems in their lives, and And they're getting upset with Moses because they can't drink the water that he led them to. What they don't realize is that they're not only blaming Moses, but they're really blaming God. Isn't that what we do? We often look for somebody else to blame for the problems that come into our lives. And so they start blaming him for all their problems. Will you allow me to stretch the analogy just a little bit? beyond probably the text, there comes a time in everyone's life when they have to start drinking from their own well. We need to come to a point in our spiritual maturity where we're not dependent on what other people say or where other people lead us or what other people teach us, but we need to start listening to what Jesus says, We need to start finding our own water and feeding ourselves from the word of God and not blaming somebody else for what we have or what we don't have. Israel became bitter because they allowed that bitterness to enter into their hearts and their minds and they took no personal responsibility. What happens when we become bitter? It's in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 that we find the answer. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. He writes, Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled many become defiled that word defiled means to die with another color it means to pollute it means to contaminate you see that's what bitterness does to us it 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 contaminates our hearts and it turns us into something that we were never meant to be. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, there's a prophet by the name of Ahithophel. Say it with me Ahithophel. Very good. And the Bible says that when you inquired of the prophet Ahithophel, it was as if you were talking to God Himself. Can you imagine? It was like the voice of God came through Ahithophel. One chapter later, Second Samuel chapter seventeen, Absalom is now had pushed David out, and he's and he's kind of controlling things. And he asks Ahithophel for his advice as to how he should handle David. Now he was for David. Ahithophel was for David. So he gave him some advice. Absalom didn't didn't listen to him right off. He went to another prophet and he gave him different advice. And and, uh, he followed, Absalom followed the other prophet's advice, not Ahithophel's. Well, what happened? Ahithophel, chapter 17, verse 23, astoundingly, he goes home. Puts his house in order and he takes his own life. What? What happened? This was, this was a guy that had the voice of God. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. He allowed bitterness to enter into his heart. He, he allowed that that self-doubt to enter into his heart. He he began to blame blame Absalom. He He let all of that pile up in his heart and and he took his life. It destroyed his life. That's what that word defiled means. It turns you into something that you were never meant to be. You see, the problem with bitterness is that other people, they go on living their life and you're still bitter. You're still thinking about how that person hurt you. You're still dwelling on how you were treated. You're hanging on to to being passed up for the promotion. You're still bitter that you didn't get that job and that you know the other person who got the job didn't have the credentials that you had and yet they got the job. And God wants you to move forward, but you can't because you're still trying to get back at someone. A few years ago, there was a little ad that was played uh, during one of the Super Bowl uh, games. And uh, it was a Budweiser ad. I'm, I'm not advertising beer this morning. <laughs> but but I want you to see the ad, and I want you to listen for the message within the ad. Okay? They're going to play it for you. And you listen. And I'd like to have a quiz, uh, but I won't. Oh, boy. boy. Wise! but just say the line. That's what I'm doing. No, you're not. You're going wise. These are my interpretations of the part. This isn't Shakespeare. You're replacing a stressed out frog. Hey, Frankie, you know what they say. What? There are no small parts, only small lizards. Nobody says that. I do. I say it all the time. Wise. Er, Err. Wise. Er. (laughs) Err. Okay, that's not the one I wanted you to hear. That, that, that was pretty funny. That's another one. The one that I wanted, them, and it was probably not their fault. So you're, that's okay, guys. The one I wanted you to hear is these same guys. But, but, the, but the one lizard, he, he's upset at the frogs because they got the job of saying Budweiser. And he didn't get the job. And he's moving his eyes and he's going, how come those guys got the job and I didn't get the job? And the other guy is saying, let it go, Louie, let it go. And he goes, yeah, but he says, there'll be another opportunity. Let it go, Louie. And Louie just cannot let it go that the frogs got the job and he didn't get the job. That's the one I wanted you to see. You go look it up this afternoon because it's really funny. But it carries a really great message. And that is that, that, you know, life just throws us a, a... Throws us sometimes for a loop and we don't get what we want and we just hang on to it. And I think the great message of that little ad is let it go, Louis. You just have to let it go. Whatever, whatever is making us bitter, we need to let it go because eventually it will destroy you. In verse 24 of Exodus chapter 15, the people begin to complain. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? They're carrying the burden of bitterness. You see, at some point in life, you're going to come up against a wall. Someone is going to say something that hurt you. You're, you're going to face some disappointment. There will be an event in your life. I'm telling you, I've had those. I've had the disappointments. I'm not talking out of the, in the, just in the air here today. I've experienced this. I, I've had bitterness in my heart. I've had people say things that have that deeply hurt me. I've had events in my life that have been life-altering. And these things can come on. You don't have to look for them. They come into your living room and they, they try to live there. And, and, and we need to, to get to a point of figuring out how to let it go, Louie, because it will control your life. They're carrying the burden of bitterness. At some point, you're going to be, be, be headed in one direction and, and hit a detour, and it's going to force you in another direction that you didn't expect. That's happened. I've, I've experienced that. And you just shake your head. You wonder, God, what are you doing? What, where are we going with this? Why are you letting this happen? And the problem is that when bitterness comes... We can choose to let it immobilize us. We can blame somebody else or we can let it go. Now, I want, I want to show you very clearly how Moses handled the wall. All right? You need to write it down. This is how Moses handled the wall. Number one, he prayed. Now, that's a novel idea. Verse 25. And he cried... ...to the Lord. When we face various burdens... ...and walls in our life... ...we need to learn to pray. We need to learn... ...to pour out our hearts... ...to the Lord... ...and cast our burdens on Him. Notice that it says that Moses... ...he didn't just pray... ...he cried out to the Lord. This wasn't just a little... ...you know, nice prayer... ...that he learned in Sunday school... (laughs) He didn't say, Lord, would you just please, you know, help me in this situation. No, no, no. This was a tears down the cheek, wailing, crying out to God kind of prayer. Seeking God's favor. He was pouring his heart out to the Lord, pleading for God to intervene. When we're in the battle and we hit the wall, it won't do us any good just to sit down and complain and roll our eyes and get bitter and trying to find somebody else to blame. We first need to learn to pray. Number two, we need to see the tree that God shows us. Let me show you. Verse 25. And the Lord showed him, a. this translation says, a log Another translation calls it a tree. The Lord showed him a tree. You see, we need the capacity to be able to see the wall that is keeping us from victory... And then we need to see beyond the person that the devil is using to keep us down and discourage. And we need to see beyond our own life's experiences that have left wounds and scars. And I'll bet you all of us have those. And we need to be able to see the tree, and I call it the tree of Calvary we need to be able to see the God who's behind the curtain pulling all the strings. And that God doesn't let anything happen in our life that he doesn't give us the ability to handle. He doesn't lead us to the bitter waters without a solution. God is not the author of it, but he allows it to happen. And we know that if he allowed it to happen, that he knows there must be a reason for it. And so the tree shows us that God is still in charge. And the tree of Calvary shows us that God has already won the victory for us. So now all we have to do is lean into him, amen? And then thirdly, we need to cast the tree into the bitter waters. Verse 25, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. You see, when you cast the tree into the water, when you turn the problem over to God and and do what he tells you to do, when you cling to Calvary's cross, God will give you the ability to shout and to give him praise because you see the hand of God in the solution of it all. You'll be able to see people who hurt you and you'll be able to praise God because you turn them over to Him and the bitter waters turn sweet. You'll be able to thank God for the wall that He put in your way because you'll be able to see that God has a better way. And God will turn your bitterness into something good. And now we're better because God did it. Now some people... Are living beings the Elam. Let me show you. Look at verse 27. All the way down to the bottom of the chapter. Then they came to Elam. Where there were 12 springs of water. And 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. Hmm. In Elam there were 12 wells. And 70 date trees. There was enough for everyone with some left over. But some people, you know, they're stuck in between. They're complaining about the bitter waters of Mara, and they don't even know that there's something down the street that's even better that they need to pursue. You see, not only is God able to turn our bitterness into something sweet, but he's able to give us something more than what we ever imagined. He turns our weeping into shouts of joy. He turns our sorrow into rejoicing. He turns our nightmares into sweet dreams. Let it go, Louis. Stop crying and complaining and whining and let it go. Because you're strong, you're more blessed, and you're richer in Christ because of Mara. Why? Because you've learned to put your tree into the bitter waters. You've taken the cross where Christ has already won the victory and you applied that to the bitterness. I'm not saying you won't have bitterness, I'm not saying that you won't hit the wall. I'm saying we need to pray, we need to see the tree and then we need to apply what God has shown us to the bitter waters and then he turns it sweet. He shows shows us that there was a reason. God allowed it for our betterment. God kept you from something that you shouldn't have had anyway and you need to send somebody a thank you letter. Thank you for not giving me that job because I got a better one. Thank you for marrying that other guy because the one I got is better. (laughs) You know what I mean? You need to send a letter to somebody. Thank you. Thank you for firing me because now I'm free from all the stress and the anxiety that you were causing me. (laughs) You know? You need to send a letter to somebody. I'm not saying that literally. A little facetiously. Thank God that you didn't get what you wanted. Because you're where you're supposed to be right now. Stop being bitter. Let it go. Cast the tree into the water. And know that God knows what He's doing. There's someone here today listening, maybe online or here in the auditorium, who, who, maybe, who maybe you need to turn your attention to the tree. The tree of Calvary. Where Jesus Christ paid the ultimate penalty for sin by allowing His body to be placed there and dying sacrificially to pay for the sin that we could never pay for. Maybe you need to turn your attention to that because you've been fighting and you've been struggling your way through life and and maybe you've even become bitter, but, but God has provided the way to a better life through His Son, Jesus. It's called the kingdom of God which is contrary to the kingdom of this world. And He's inviting us to be a part of His his way of life, His kingdom. And not that there won't still be walls, not that there won't still be bitterness, not that there won't still be obstacles, but He shows a way through the cross. And when we belong to Him, He leads us, He leads us to Elam. Maybe you need to invite Him into your life to allow Him to place you into a new kingdom where God will lead you and God will protect you. You can do that right now as we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that even though bitter waters come into our lives, that You have a purpose behind it all. that that You're leading us. You allow circumstances to happen. You you allow bitter things to happen. You you allow our feelings to be hurt. You you allow us to to have to leave a job and go to another one. You you allow us to experience the things in lives that we experience, not because You you don't love us, not because You've created it, but because you want to show yourself to us in a brand new way, in a a way that we haven't experienced before. And Lord, I pray that we would, in those situations, and people here today who are experiencing bitter waters even now, that they would see the tree, that they would cling to the tree, the tree of Calvary, where Jesus, you paid the price for us, where Jesus, you've won the victory for us, and I pray, Lord, that we'll cling to that tree and see you perform the work, a work that only you can do in our lives and that, Lord, we could let it go and, and leave it with you, leaving it at Calvary, leaving it there and allowing you, Lord, to work in those circumstances to make us better, to make us into the people that you want us to be. Thank you for showing us this story That leads us to the cross. And we pray you would help those who need to know you as Savior. To take that step of faith today. And invite you into their life. And begin following you as their master and king. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Today is communion Sunday. Where as a family we celebrate the Lord's table together. And if you were not able to pick up a cup on your way in, uh, we would invite you to just go out and pick one up now. You don't have to be a member of this church to participate in the Lord's table. Uh, God's only requirement is that you be a follower of Jesus, that you love Jesus, that you've entrusted your life to him. We've just been talking about how Jesus came to die for our sins and to bring us into the kingdom of God. But the night before his betrayal and ultimate crucifixion, Jesus spent some time alone with his disciples in an upper room. And in his time with them, celebrating the Passover meal, remembering when God had delivered Israel out of the bondage from Egypt, which we've just been talking about, Jesus took the bread of the Passover. It's called the Afikomen. Uh, let me get my little piece out here. Not that this is what they would have been using, for sure. <clears throat> they would use used what we call a matzah today. But they would take the, this piece of bread called the afikomen. One of three pieces, by the way, that had been wrapped in a cloth and, and put aside as what's called the bread of affliction... To be, to be revealed when it was time. And at the end of what is called the Seder, this piece of matzah would have been taken out from hiding, as it were. Taken out. And it wasn't given to one person, but it was broken. It's as if he was saying, you're not going to get the whole thing, but, but we're going to break it. Why? It was shared amongst the participants The the symbolism of the bread is is beautiful. It was was eaten as a reminder that we're, we're all still enslaved to all kinds of oppressions, both physical and emotional, but that those shackles can be released through the gift of companionship and by sharing a meal together and the gift of companionship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is the meaning of Isaiah chapter 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. In other words, by eating the bread, we're acknowledging that we're all still hungry and we're needy. But Jesus says, eat of me because I'm the bread of life and I will come and I will fill you. I'm going to ask Al if you'll come and uh, he's going to give thanks. And David, if you'll come and wait as well um, and...